Well, good morning to all of you who are in the room and those who are watching online by TV here and around the world. Thanks for joining us today. Really glad that you're here. My prayer today is that God would give you eyes to hear the truth, ears to hear the truth, eyes to see the truth, and a heart to believe the truth. We live in an incredible world. Last week, last week, last week, I saw, as you know, a cat eat a gator. <laughs> Yesterday in Alabama, I saw a dog eat a tiger. And last night, the tide for the first time ever went out, but it never came in. So it's been a great, great day in the life of me. We live by any measurement, perhaps, in the richest nation in the history of the world. We are worth more as a country. Listen to this. We are worth more as a country than the next three richest countries in the world put together. We are the envy of the world. We have 719 billionaires in this country. They have a net worth that is greater than the third and fourth richest countries in the world. Now, when I say that, you would think, well, man, we must be eating the meat and drinking the sweet. I mean, everything must be coming up roses. And yet, in a recent study, 38 million American families, about one out of every three U.S. households, are living what they call hand to mouth. 38 million families have just enough to survive on a daily basis. Now, this may shock you, but I got news for all of us. Whether you are barely making the end of the month meet the end of the money, or you are set for life, every one of us lives hand to mouth. Everybody in this room lives hand to mouth. You say, oh, you don't know what I've got in my savings account. You don't know what my pension is. You don't know what my 401k looks like. You don't know how much real estate I have. I don't care. Everybody in the world lives hand to mouth. You say, what do you mean? All right, listen, you ready? We all live from God's hand to our mouth. We all live every single day from God's hand to our mouth. And we're going to see that today in a series that we're calling Red Sea Moments. If you're here for the first time or you're just joining us today for the first time, we're studying the life of Moses. Without question, Moses was one of the three greatest figures in the Old Testament. I said earlier, if God had a Mount Rushmore, Moses would be on Mount Rushmore. Nobody cast a bigger shadow in the Old Testament than this man named Moses. And yet, here's the interesting thing is we're going to see when you study the life of Moses, as great a man as he was, he was just like us. He had flaws. He had blots. He had blemishes. He had failures. As a matter of fact, if you know his story, in spite of all the great things he did, he messed up so badly, he didn't even get to go to the promised land. Just like us, had his problems, had his issues. And so here's the point. It does not matter who you are, what you feel like your limitations are. It doesn't matter. The reason why I'm doing this series is this. I want you to understand that God wants to do in you what he did in Moses. God wants to do for you what he did for Moses. God wants to do through you what he did through Moses. But just like Moses, we all face Red Sea moments. Now, let me just kind of give you a review. The last time we left Moses and the children of Israel, if you remember, they had just walked across the Red Sea. God had delivered them from the Egyptians just like he promised. 
So now they're ready to get the, they're, they're ready now to really get going. They're ready to start their journey to Canaan. They're ready to get to where God wants them to go. So if you brought a copy of God's Word, we're in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, and we're going to pick up the story here in verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Here's what's going on. They're in the desert. They don't have any food. There's no grocery stores. You can't go, you know, can't go to Kohl's, can't go to Walmart, can't go to Kroger, can't go to Publix. They're out in the middle of nowhere. They have no food. They are hungry, and they're angry. They're hangry. This is a very important event, by the way, in the Bible. How do you know that? Because not only is the account presented here, as you're going to see in very minute detail, it is discussed over and over and over throughout the Bible. This event is mentioned five, in five books of the Old Testament and three books in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, Moses even went out of his way to tell us the exact time when this incident took place. He said it took place on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In other words, here's what we need to know. Need to know. It's been exactly one month, four weeks since they crossed the Red Sea. They still fresh in their memory what God had done for them. And they had barely started on their journey, and they're already griping, and they're already complaining. Now, when you read the story of the next 40 years, here's what you're going to find. This was their spiritual gift, complaining. This was their hobby, complaining. Nobody had a better grip on griping than they did. Let's just think about it. They complained just before they crossed the Red Sea that they were going to die. Then in the previous chapter, back in chapter 15, they complained because they couldn't find good water to drink. Now they're complaining because they're hungry. And you're going to see that as they make their way through the desert, Moses is trying to lead the people. One thing they've learned how to do is complain. And by the way, here's what's really interesting. Every single time they gripe and every single time they complain, it's always about one of three things. It's either about food or it's about drink or it's about living conditions. So, here's the point. God had just parted the Red Sea. God had just in the chapter before given them fresh water in the middle of nowhere. And, but now they're still not sure that God's going to provide for their needs. They're still not good, sure that God's going to come through. And every time I read this story, I'm going to, be a, I'm going to confess me. I'll leave it up to confess for you. This is a lot like me. I so easily forget what God did for me yesterday and complain about what he hasn't done today. Aren't we all like that? We don't have to gripe. We don't have to complain. And it's easy to forget. And here's, you, see, you may say, well, I, I got a question. Why is it sometimes we do have needs? Why is it sometimes we pray and it seems like the heavens have turned to brass? Why is it sometimes God takes his sweet time to do what we want him to do? I'll tell you why. Because God knows we need to be reminded a lot you live from my hand to your mouth. You live from my hand to your mouth. See, God doesn't just hold the whole world in his, hand, in his hands. Can I tell you what God is holding in his hands right now? He holds the breath of your lungs in his hands. 
He holds the beat of your heart in his hands. He holds your very life in his hands. And on a daily basis, every morning when you get up, there are several things you ought to be reminded of every day, and I should be reminded of, that we never, ever forget. Let me just share them with you very quickly this morning. First thing you ought to remember when you get up every morning is this. God is our source. God is our source. Now, here's what's going on. Hundreds of years ago, if you remember, God had promised Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I'm going to bring you to a land that I have promised only to you. And God always keeps his word. And if the Israelites had just believed God, they would have been griping. They, they would have been waiting and trusting because here's what they should have known. It's not our job to get to the promised land. It's God's job to get us to the promised land. It's not our job to feed ourselves. It's God's job to provide for us. So God says one thing to Moses, one thing should have ended all the complaining. Here's what God said. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Now let's stop right there. We're going to study this bread for a while. This bread does not come from a bakery, and it was not made by a baker. The Israelites didn't bring it with them out of Egypt. They didn't pull it out of the Red Sea. God said, I'm going to send you bread, and here's how much I love you. I'm going to bake it in my oven. It's going to be bread baked in heaven's oven. You know what this food was? It was angel food cake. That's exactly what it was. Heaven was the bakery. God was the baker. So here's what we read. Watch this. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Now, nowhere else in the Bible will you ever find where God feeds his people directly from heaven. This food was only eaten at one time for 40 years by one people, the nation of Israel, in one place in the desert, and it was never eaten again. And here's the strange thing. Nobody had ever seen it before because God had never made it before. And they didn't know what to call it. And so they used this word. Listen, this is kind of cool. I bet you didn't know this. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. Now, we know it as manna. But that word manna comes from the Hebrew word manhu. You know what that word manhu means? What is it? That's what manna means. What is it? Have you ever heard of mystery meat? That's what it was. That's what they were eating. Now, you know, one thing that you're always, you teach your kids if you ever go to eat with a guest, you never, you always teach your kids, don't ever ask, what is that? That's just, you just don't do that. Now, I'm going to be honest. I think there are times it's probably good to ask that question. This happened to me. True story. I was pastoring my first little country church, and we'd go down on the weekends. We'd drive 90 miles, stayed in a single wide trailer, and usually we'd, we'd eat with someone, and or else they'd, they'd have groceries for us or whatever. Well, there was this sweet lady. Her name was Myrna. Myrna's in heaven now. But Myrna was a sweet, sweet, sweet lady, and she kind of adopted us as her second kids, you know. And uh, every now and then, we, we'd probably eat with her at least once every weekend. Well, it was a Saturday, uh, I never will forget, it was about, about 11 o'clock Saturday morning, and I'd finished studying for my sermon, 
And the phone rang, and it was Myrna. And she said, Pastor, what are you doing for lunch? I said, well, Myrna, we don't do anything. She said, come over. I got something special for you. I said, okay. She's like, come on. I'm cooking it right now. I said, okay. So we drove over there, and, you know, we sat down. And, and she said, this is such a special meal. I'm so glad you're going to eat it with me. And I said, okay. And so she put the vegetables on the plate, and then she brought this meat. And I'd never seen this meat before. It was just, it was just, it was just, it was just mystery meat. I didn't recognize it. And then I, I tasted it, and I, frankly, I'd never tasted anything like it before. So I shouldn't have done it, but I just had, I said, Myrna, I said, what is this? She said, it's turtle. I said, turtle? She said, yeah. I said, well, did, did you catch it? <laughs> she said, no. I'm true story. She said, no. I said, well, you didn't buy it at the store. She said, no, I didn't buy it at the store. She said, well, let me tell you how good God is. She said, 30 minutes ago, I found it on the side of the road. Somebody had just run over it, and it was still warm. God immediately led me to fast for the rest of that day. Now, the Israelites may not have known what it was they were eating, but I'll tell you one thing. They never wondered where it came from. They knew God was their source. Number one, God's our source. Number two, God's our supply. God's our supply. He's not only our source, He's our supply. Everything we have comes from God's house. Everything we have was made by God's hands. As a matter of fact, Moses wants to emphasize this. So five times in this chapter, I'm going to show it to you, we read the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Moses also said, you will know it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That's why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat. Over and over and over, Moses is reminding the people, what was your supply? Who was giving this to you? God is your supply because before God provided the bread, God had promised the bread because God had promised Moses, Moses, you lead the people, I'll feed the people. You guide the people, I'll provide for the people. Because where God guides, God provides. Where God leads, he meets the needs. And remember now, this was angel's food. Because every morning we're told angels would deliver this heavenly catered meal. And they would lay it before the Israelites. Now think about this. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to pay for it. They didn't have to grind the flour, knead the dough, or cook it. All they had to do was two things. Take it and eat it. That's all they had to do. Every morning they got up. And God hand-delivered these groceries right to their front door, and he did it for 40 years. They didn't have to go to the grocery store. They didn't have to pay sales tax. They didn't have to stand at a checkout counter. But every day, there was this unending supply. Every single day, there was this unending supply for bread and for meat. You say, what's that got to do with me? Can I tell you something? You woke up this, in a, you woke up this morning in a bed that God gave you. You'll go to work in the morning to a job that God has given you. You woke up in a home that God delivered to you. 
You work that job with the help that God gives you. You breathe the air that God gives you. Everything we have comes from God. Everything we have is given by God. It, he is our supply. And for 40 years, all they had to do was just eat the manna. Now, I don't know how they fixed it. They probably boiled it, baked it, broiled it, barbecued it, breaded it, buttered it, grilled it, sauteed it. They ate it cold. They ate it hot. They ate it raw. But I'll tell you one thing they knew. We're not going to starve. It's going to be there every single day. And you know what I love about God? This is so good. Nobody had too much and nobody had too little because we read this. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone's together as much as they need. Not as much as they want, much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, watch this. The one who gathered much didn't have too much. And the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Now, by the way, an omer is a little more than two liters. You know, you can go to the, you, you can go to the store today, you can buy a two-liter bottle of Coke. Well, that's about what it was. It was like two liters. And evidently, it was the perfect amount. It's exactly what they needed for every single day. So every person, didn't matter what their last name was, it didn't matter whether they, you know, whether they gave a lot to the, synagogue, to the, to the temple or, or tabernacle, it didn't give a lot, it didn't really matter. Every person had the same amount of this coriander, honey-like, seed-like, miraculous daily bread. Now, you would think, you would think the people would be grateful. You would think, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. Anybody else out here wouldn't last a day. But we got fresh water every day. And we've got this food every day. But we read later in the book of Numbers, this happened. Listen to this. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers. I hate cucumbers. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. Just like us. Just like us. Instead of being amazed at the miracle that took place every day, instead of being grateful to God that God was supplying what they needed, they were griping, they were groaning, they were moaning, they were complaining, and instead of thanking God for what they did have, they griped about what they didn't have. Just like us. By the way, here's a thought to chew on, no pun intended. If you don't like what God has given you, the problem is not with what he's given you. The problem is your appetite for it. Think about that. If you don't like what God has given you, the problem is not what he's given you. The problem is your appetite for it. Chuck Swindoll said this. It takes a heavenly appetite to enjoy a heavenly diet. It takes a heavenly appetite to enjoy a heavenly diet. And here's the point I'm trying to make. Every day that you live, God's going to give you what you need. And whatever you need, he is going to supply because the same God that took care of you yesterday and the same God that will take care of you tomorrow is the same God that will take care of you today. God is our supply. So what's true about us every day we get up? Number one, God's our source. Number two, God's our supply. Number three, God is our security. God's our security. Now listen to verse 32. 
Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take it over manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. All right, now listen, let's just think about this. How many days a week did Israel have bread to eat? Somebody tell me. How many? Seven. How many weeks a year did they have it? 52. And how many years did they have it? 40. God never missed a day. They never missed a meal. So what are you saying? He's not just our source. God's not just our supply. God is our security. Because think about this. If the source of what you have right now, if you think it's anything other than God, then that source can die. If that source dies, you're done. If, if your supply runs out, you're empty. But if your source is eternal and your supply is unending, then your security is always guaranteed. And that's why there is nothing you can do to insult God. There's nothing we can do to break God's heart more than to put our security in anything other than Him. Nothing. It grieves Him. It breaks His heart that we dare would think, I don't need you. I need this. I don't need you. I need that. Some of you say, well, I put my security in the stock market. Well, it can crash. And somebody says, well, I, uh, I put my security in my business. You could go bankrupt. Somebody says, well, I, I put my security in, in a human being, my spouse, my children, my dad, my mom. They can leave you or die. I mean, we even learned several years ago, right about, what, 13 years ago? You can put your security in real estate and lose your shirt. Well, I've got Social Security. Yeah, it's going to be completely bankrupt by 2033 if it lasts that long. No, the truth of the matter is, God is better than financial security. Hey, God is better than social security. You know why? You know what God gives us? Eternal security. Eternal security. Forever security. Let me tell you something. I got news for you. God doesn't need your 401k. God doesn't need your stock markets. God doesn't need your real estate. God doesn't need your cash on hand to meet your needs and give you security. But I'll tell you what, we need God to give us Security. By the way, the security of the United States is not in missiles. It's in the master. That's where our security is found. God is our source. God is our supply. God is our security. Well, what else should we remember every day? God is our strength. God is our strength. Now, there are three things you've got to do in order to survive long term. You know what they are. We've taught this in first grade, right? You've got to have air. You've got to have water, and you got to have food. Got to have those three things. Well, for the Israelites, air was no problem. They had air. But what good is air in the desert if you don't have water? Well, they had water. Well, what good is air and water if you don't have food? You need food for strength to make the journey. You've got to eat. And that manna represents the fact that God is the one who gives us the strength to go through whatever we face. See, there was one thing the Israelites had to do every day. I want you to pay attention to this. There's one thing the Israelites had to do every day, or they were not going to make it. This is what the Lord's commanded. Everyone's together as much as they need, that is, every day. Take it over for each person that you have in your tent. 
The manna had to be gathered. It didn't just fall into their lap, and it just didn't fall into their mouth. If that manna was going to do any good at all, what did they have to do? They had to get up. They had to go out. They had to retrieve it, and then they had to take it home. But even that was not enough. Because it's not enough just to see the manna. It's not enough just to gather the manna. You got to eat the manna. I got news for you. I think you figured this out by now. Uneaten food will give you no strength. Uneaten food will give you absolutely no strength. You can put the best food that any cook could ever, ever, ever make and bake. You can put it one inch from your mouth. You can keep it on your kitchen table. You can lay it on your bedside table, but if you don't eat it, you will die. You have got to eat the manna, and you eat it every day because you need strength for every day. And I know you're saying, good gosh, I know that. Why are you telling me this? Well, it's because of what Moses said later in a book called Deuteronomy, talking about this very bread. Here's what he said. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness those 40 years? to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger. That's why God makes you hunger. He wants you to hunger for him. And then feeding you with manna. Now watch this. Which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone. Moses said, some of you don't get it. The manna wasn't just for physical food. The manna was to remind you, you need spiritual food. Man does not live on bread alone. Man does not live on manna alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So Moses lets us know something that you may not have figured out. That manna represents the Word of God. That manna represents this book. In other words, the most important strength we need every day to face the day that we face, the most important food that we need every day is not physical strength. The most important food that we need every day is spiritual strength. And you know where I'm going, right? I think you figured it out. Every day, you need to feed on that book. Every day, you need to go to this manna. You need to take it. You don't need to just see it. You don't need to just watch it. You don't need to just look at it. You need to eat it. You need to devour it. That's why, listen, that's why, if you remember back and you can read the story, God said to them, now, when I give you this manna for the day, don't, take, don't have leftovers. They didn't have any Ziploc bags back in that day. He said, if you try to save the manna for the next day, what would it do? Somebody know? It's spoiled. Nope, nope. Only today's manna is good for today. You've got to eat new manna, brand new manna, every day of the week. So, here we go. Here's the point of the message that I always usually have, at least one point where I know I'm going to get dead silence, which is okay. How many of you walk out that door and starve yourself for a week. How many of you, the only Bible you get is what I spoon feed you on Sunday morning. And you wonder why you're not growing as a believer. You wonder why you're not getting any more out of the Christian life than you ought to. 
And you wonder why even sometimes you don't even like some of the things that I say on this, on this platform. And you wonder why you think more like the world than you do like God. Because you gather your manna on Sunday and you think that will do you for the rest of the week. It will not. It will spoil. You will, I, listen, I can preach the greatest sermon on the history of this planet. It will only last you today. I cannot even emphasize how important every single day. If you are going to have the strength to face every day, and every day is a battle. I talked to a man this morning who's in this service. Now, I want to embarrass him because you don't know who he is. You don't even know what, I, what we talked about. But he's going through a battle. I mean, he's going through a big battle. He's going to win it. I believe the Almighty's going to win it. But I told him, gave him one assignment. I said, here's your assignment. I gave him an assignment to read this book every single day. I said, let me tell you something. Either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. So I want you to understand something. You may say, well, yeah, I, I know. I, I guess I really should read my Bible every day. Do you understand why? Because I want to tell you something. You're in a war. You're in a fight. You're in a fight for your family. You're in a fight for your marriage. You're in a fight for your faith. We're, you're in a war. And some of you right now, you've already lost the battle before you go out because you don't even have any strength to fight tomorrow's battle because you're not going to the manna. So I'm telling you, every single day, don't starve yourself every day. Have a plan. We'll talk about this later. Have a plan and get into God's Word every single day because God is our strength. And here's the last thing we're done. God is our source. God's our supply. God's our security. God is our strength. But there's one last thing because if I lift this out, I would be insulting Jesus, and I would be shortchanging you. God is our salvation. God is our salvation. Now, you know, I could have closed, I could close this book right now and say, you know what, let's pray. Some of you probably wish I would. I'm not. In fact, the doors are locked, you can't even get out. If you think this story is just about God sending some vanilla wafers down every day for the people of Israel, you don't even understand the real meaning of the story. So I'm going to give you a pop quiz. Everybody ready? I want you to say the answer out loud. All of the Bible is about, say it again, all of the Bible is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All the Bible is about Jesus. How do I know that? He said to some people on the road to Emmaus, you search the scriptures because they testify about me. All the Bible is about Jesus. So I know there's a lot more to this story than me, because without, listen, without this bread, no matter what else, if Israel does not get this bread, we don't have five books of the Bible. If Israel doesn't have this bread, their dream and their nation dies in the wilderness. They're gone. Without this bread, we never hear from them Again, this bread was their salvation. Do you know why Israel finally made it to the promised land? Because they got bread. No bread, no promised land. This bread is a picture of Jesus. You say, you're making that up. No, I'm not. I'm going to prove it to you. Listen, go back to verse 4 and listen to what we read about this man. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. Now watch this. I'm going to make this worth coming for today. Okay, you ready? So where did the bread come from? Somebody tell me. 
came from heaven, right? So the bread came from heaven. But it wasn't heavenly bread. It was real bread. It was real food. You could eat it. So it wasn't just heavenly bread. It was human bread. It was bread you could eat. It was heaven's bread. It was human's bread. 2,000 years ago, a baby was born. He was a human baby, but he was a heavenly baby. We were created. He was not created. He was begotten. He was divine, and he was human. And so when Jesus grows up, and begins to teach his disciples about who he was. He goes all the way back to this same story. And here's what he reads. Now, here's what he said. Now, listen to this. Jesus said to them, Very truly I say to you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven. So Moses didn't give it to you. Moses was not their source. Moses was not their supply. Moses was not their strength. Moses was not their security. He was just a conduit. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Far, the bread of God, is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They were amazed. I wish you could have been there. Their eyes were this big. Jesus is saying to them, hey guys, you didn't get to eat that man and no, no Lord, you didn't get to see that man and no Lord, hey, you're looking at it. I'm the manna. I am the bread from heaven. Because he makes it very plain, because here's what they go on to say, right? Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Now, now, why did they say that? Because they think Jesus was still talking about that manna, those wafers that God rained from heaven thousands of years ago. And they said, hey, we'd like to eat the same thing they eat. We've heard about it. We've heard it was good. We would like to eat that same bread. And then Jesus says this. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Lord, you're telling us that the Old Testament manna is the New Testament you? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Because all of the Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. And the only way we can come to God is to eat of that bread. So now think about this. Watch this. This is so cool. God gave the manna only to Israel. But God gave Jesus to the whole world. The manna can only give physical life. God's Son gives eternal life. Just as the Jews had to go to that bread and get that bread and eat that bread, we've got to go to Jesus. We've got to take that bread and eat of His salvation. We have to eat that bread and taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we do, we just don't have physical life for today. We have eternal life forever. You see... The Jews ate that manna, but they eventually died. But when you eat the bread of heaven, you never die. When you eat the bread of heaven, you don't get physical life. You get eternal life. And the truth of the matter is, we all live hand to mouth. Physically, physically, on this earth, we live from God's hand to our mouth. Spiritually, in our hearts, we live from God's hand to our mouth. Eternally, in the kingdom of God, we will still be living from God's hand to our mouth. And you know what? That's not just 
the only way to live. That is the best way to live. Would you pray with me? With his bound, with eyes closed. Do you know why Jesus died on the cross? Do you understand why he did? Because salvation only comes from God. The cross was God's way of hand-delivering salvation to you and to me. You know what a believer is? A believer is simply someone that simply says this, Lord, I believe you're the bread of life. I believe you're the bread from heaven. Lord, I want to take and taste that you are good. I want you, just as that bread went into their body, Lord, I want you into my heart. And the Word of God says the moment you eat of that bread, you have eternal life. You have forgiveness for all of your sins. You have the strength. Listen, you have the strength to live the life that you cannot live apart from God. So if you're looking at this uh, me on a screen right now or an iPad or a phone, or you're in this room, in this building, my simple question is this. Have you tasted to see that the Lord is good? Have you realized that you don't just need money or stocks our bonds, our real estate, our houses, our homes, our cars, our clothes, our jewelry. Do you realize the greatest need you have is God? Because all that other stuff's going to fade and rust and be sold or given to somebody else, and you're going to leave it or it's going to leave you. You need a God that will never leave you and a God that you can never leave. So if today you would say, I would love to give my life to Jesus. I would love to trust Him as my Lord and Savior. I would love to eat that bread from heaven and never hunger again for anything else. Would you just pray this prayer right now? Would you just say something like this? Lord, you said in your word that if I will confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, I will be saved. So Lord Jesus, today, that's exactly what I'm doing. I confess with my mouth, you're my Lord. I believe in my heart God raised you from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I repent and turn away from my sins. I receive you as my Savior, my bread from heaven. I surrender to you as my Lord. Thank you for hearing my prayer. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to ask you to do something. If you're watching right now on, on, by a TV or you're watching on a cell phone or whatever, would you just go to this website, go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision? Or the easiest way, take your cell phone, just text Jesus to 678-255-2566. Text Jesus to 678-255-2566. Do it right now. Okay, what will happen when you do? There will be some prompts. It will tell you what next steps you need to take to begin your walk with the Lord. It's that simple. If you're in this building, here's what I'd rather you do. At our table out in the lobby, we have a table called Connection Point. If you would just go to that table and just simply say to them, hey, I, I prayed to receive Jesus today. I, I, I took the bread from heaven today. I gave my life to Christ today. That's all, something like that. They will know exactly what to do. They'll know the information that they need to give you, and they'll give you some information that will help you in your walk with God, and you'll be on your way out the door. Now, you may say, I've eaten that bread. I ate that bread a long time ago, and I have eternal life. Great. Have you been biblically baptized since that time? 
that dear man I talked to today, you know what he said to me? I asked him, you know, we were talking, he'd been born again. He said, but you know what? I need to be baptized. I, I didn't have to ask him because I want to be baptized. I said, man, that's, that's the mark of a believer. You want to do what God wants you to do. You may be a believer, but you've never been biblically baptized. Why not today make that decision? That's your next step as a believer. If you've never done that, just go out to the table and just let them know, you know, I've been saved, but I, I, I really need to follow Christ in baptism. Or maybe you've been coming here for a while and say, man, I want to be a part of this church. I'll see what this church is trying to do. I'll see the impact you're trying to have. Can I get in on it? Absolutely. Same thing. Just go to that table. Now, I say this every week, and I hope it doesn't fall on deaf ears. Every empty chair in this room is a one somebody ought to have. Who's your one? Who's that one person? They're hungry, and they're starving to death. And they've tried everything else. They've tried alcohol. They've tried drugs. They've tried sex. They've tried pornography. They've tried money. They've tried stuff. And it's not working because it doesn't work. Who do you know? Who's that one person that you could say to them, can I offer you some bread that if you'll eat it, you'll never hunger again? Can I offer you some water that if you'll drink it, you'll never thirst again? again. Would you do that today? Would you do it this week? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray, if nothing else today, I just pray we'll leave a grateful people, a thankful people, a happy people, that you'll humble us and remind us every day you are our source, our supply, our strength, our security, and our salvation. And we praise you and worship you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.